Hey guys, welcome back to the Woodworking Podcast. My name is Nick as usual. Well, it's not Nick as usual, it's Nick Ferry. <laughs> I was going to say, does yeah. it change? <laughs> <laughs> I can be found at nickferry.com, joined with Jay Bates of jayscustomcreations.com and April Wilkerson of wilkerdoos.com. Whoop, whoop. Hey, everyone. Whoop, Welcome whoop. back for another episode. We totally recorded an episode last week. Don't think that we were slacking. It was completely my fault, though. I had my settings all messed up and we weren't able to use the recording. So sorry about that. It was a really good episode, I thought. It happens. No big deal. Yeah. I Yeah, I can't remember if it was a good episode or not, because I, I mean, hell, I can't even remember what I had for breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, uh, just before we get into it, always want to thank our uh, patrons over on Patreon. If you guys want to support the show, you can head over to patreon.com forward slash the woodworking podcast. Definitely appreciate all the support over there. It's actually quite overwhelming, in my opinion. So thank you guys so much. And then also thank you to Michael Gillitzer for the contribution on the website. That is also appreciated. You guys can go to the woodworkingpodcast.com and there is a contribute button over there if you'd like to contribute on that side. But like you said, very much appreciated. Thank you guys all for the support. Thank you all so much. And uh, going over our little spreadsheet here, I just changed it to What's Going On, formerly known as Breaking News. Aw, <laughs> Breaking News is no more. <laughs> what's Going On is way more appropriate, though. I don't think any of us do groundbreaking or shattering news. Oh, I tell you what, I did groundbreaking stuff last week. My septic oh, tank. Oh, you did, didn't you? Yeah, I sure did. How I was to, that? I had to dig that up. That was a lot of unfortunate frustrating groundbreaking why the heck did they put it under your porch why did they build the porch over it yeah i was gonna say they built the i i, I don't know i mean there's no cure for stupid and mm -hmm. the the i just i can't fathom someone saying yep there's a septic tank right there it's it's clearly the vent pipe sticking out of the ground let's build over it Let's completely build a porch over it. <laughs> so what happened exactly? What made you have to to dive into it in the first place? Well, you know, septic tank, there's nothing pretty about that situation. Um, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, we have a, uh, air aerator septic systems. It's a waste treatment s setup, I guess. Um, anyway, it was, it was having, um, what was it? The, the alarm was going off on the septic pump and, um, it was full. It was basically full. We caught it in time. We didn't have anything back up in the house, but it was it was full. And now septic tanks are supposed to be full, but it was full of the wrong stuff. So let's just leave it at that. But anyway, mm -hmm. um, <laughs> it was. I had to dig out around it and and uh, dig out enough to where we could lift the cap, slide it sideways, and then pick it up and remove it. It was it, it just who in their right mind would build a porch over a septic tank that stinks but you were able to handle it without having to call in reinforcements that stinks no pun intended um, yeah there was actually <laughs> i'm glad you caught it <laughs> i was gonna say having to dig dig any hole by hand is pretty crappy but that that gives it a whole new level yeah, yeah. especially if you're on your stomach trying to dig yeah this is that was... what you did you were on your stomach just trying to like shovel it out no it was it was outside of the porch enough it was on the it was right on the perimeter of the porch so i could dig around it and blah 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 but i, I took the time to level the porch left and right it's got a, s a slight slope away from the house but i took the time to level that and uh man it was just it, it's always funny when like you when you're crunched for time to do something because i was supposed to do some custom chisel handles 
last week. When you're crunched for time, that's when Murphy starts showing his ugly face, you know? Yep. That's when things start exploding. Yeah. Well, hopefully his didn't explode. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, hopefully, luckily it didn't. But um, So that, that took out way too much time. And then that was kind of like a time-sensitive situation. I had to get that done so that they could get it pumped. And also, right below... Uh, right where the septic tank was, that was the back the back steps off of my porch. So that's how the dogs get up and down my porch. Well, if that's all dug up, then the dogs can't get up or down. Where our dogs are getting old, they can't really jump down comfortably. So I could either a go buy a couple two by tens and build some stairs really fast, which no time to do that. So then I had to go buy some pre-assembled wooden steps, and I felt so miserable spending like. <laughs> Four times as much money as what it would cost to have some pre-cut made ones. Yeah. Uh, it was it was kind of like, I don't know, it, ju- it just wasn't fun paying for that. And then you set them next to the porch and they're brand new treated lumber up against like a 10-year-old porch. So they just stick out like a sore thumb. And yeah, I- I've been avoiding the backyard. So are you, are you saying that a porch is on your list now? Uh, no, porch stain oh, okay. might be, but not the porch. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's structurally sound, so... If it's not broke, don't fix it kind of situation. Mm-hmm. But It's funny you say that because I was at a hobby store not too long ago, like last weekend. And they it is legitimately a two by six, a chunk of two by six, six inches long at the hobby store. It's called a hobby block four ninety nine. Yeah, that's like, f- man, I'm in the wrong business. That's like when you go to Walmart and you see in like the craft section, they have um, these pieces of like one by six with the corners rounded off. And it's like a place marker for your, like your street address or something like that. And it's like eight bucks or something like that. Yeah, I get a kick out of that. So um, how have you guys been doing? Good. So wait, hold on. I had a question about the chisels. Uh, you're making some hand handles for chisels like turning them or what yeah. were you, What was your plan there so just just regular bench chisels i'm gonna make uh-huh. some customized custom chisel handles if that makes sense so yeah I'm, I'm gonna turn some probably bird's eye maple handles cool. kind of leaning towards walnut but i want the strength of bird's eye maple or the, of the maple but the ferrule or the ring that you would put on near the base of the handle to prevent it from splitting when you put the handle in it uh, and as you use it. I, I ordered a custom set of rings that have... Oh my gosh, my cat just went nuts in the house. Sorry, easily distracted. Ordered a custom set of rings that are gunmetal and they have laser engraved my... or laser etched my logo in them on two sides. Cool. So my goal is to have a nice custom set of chisel handles made and then and assemble them so that as they're sitting on the rack on my tool wall, my logo's sticking out all nice and neat. And it's just a nice, real nice, pretty little setup that actually works really well. And the, the chisels themselves, um, they are Cobalt brand, and they, they seem to be doing the job just fine. So uh, it won't be a, a tremendous investment, but I'll still have a pretty nice-looking set of chisels. Very cool. Yeah, I saw those on your second channel, I think. And those uh, ferrules are just... They look pretty badass. They look pretty cool. Yeah, they're really neat. And the cool thing is the guy, um, I think, I'm wanting to say he does laser. I think that's what it is, laser etching or something. Um, But he has, like, 
a couple different sizes you could choose from and all kinds of different colors and you know some that looked like they were sparkly and i mean you could you could modify or i guess order them for multiple different situations i, I got the idea from uh jason barlow he he makes his branded duck calls so he puts them on his duck calls when he turns those uh, when I went and did the shop tour video in his shop, he showed me a couple, and I, I just, oh, man, those are so awesome. I had to steal that idea. So uh, I'll post a link in in the the notes for this article for anyone else to get a hold of him if if, if they want to have a custom set made. And his prices are very reasonable. It's just it's just a um, uh, one-man operation, I think. That's the impression I got. Uh, just some guy doing it on the side, maybe. Um, so it's not like a large company. And anytime you can support the little guy, it's always it's always appreciated. Yeah, agreed. I think that's awesome. Speaking of which, uh, I had on my formerly known as breaking news um, <laughs> to talk about bartering because I was working on a um, sewing. It's like an old um, treadle table sewing machine, and there's a hole in the top. And my friend's wife wants to convert it to a make. What'd you call it, April? Makeup vanity. Yeah, vanity. Vanity. Sit, sit down, put on your makeup, do your hair, gaze at yourself. I would, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I don't do much gazing at myself, but <laughs> um, but I was just, basically just wanted to bring up the, the point of bartering if, if for whatever reason people don't do it. Um, because I had, I had somebody email me, gosh, I don't know, about two weeks ago and asked um, what all tools he needed. You know, he wanted to do woodworking full time. And he was talking about outdoor furniture, and I said, "If you got a drill and a circular saw, you're you're off to the races. You don't need a ton more." And he's like, "Well, how do I get you know?" And I'm like, "Start with just selling a table or two, or if if you need to barter for something, if you need an outlet put in, you know, get to know an electrician or or you know, ask your friends, and maybe you can do because that's what I'm doing in this case. I'm making this oak top for this um, makeup vanity in exchange for wiring some circuits in my garage. That way." And, and, you know, I mean, I could do the wiring, but I am a hundred times slower than a professional electrician. And so it's just easier for me to knock out a top. And, um, I don't know, maybe I'll put some pictures on Instagram when I get the thing done, but, uh, it's, it's, it's coming along. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Anytime you can, you can barter to, to, to gain tools or to gain something using time as a payment device, time you have invested in something is, is a great way to get started in, in any hobby or any business for that matter, because what do you have least of when you were just starting out? Money. You don't have the, generally speaking, the, the funds to finance uh, whatever it is you're trying to invest in. So if you can invest instead of money borrowed on debt, if you can invest your own time and labor into trade trading for certain things, then that's always great as well. And uh, we we touched on this earlier, but um, oh, it was last week, I think. Yeah, the, yeah. Anyway, um, that's how I got my first car in high school. I was bartering with my uncle, working for five dollars an hour, which is about the time was minimum wage. Uh, I saved up, or I worked off two thousand dollars worth of payment for a car from him. So I didn't, I wasn't out any money, but as a teenager it was a good way for me to understand you know the value of bartering and then also you know working for something so you can take that same thing and in, into your shop and um, really gain in areas where you may not have the money to do so 
Yeah. And also what Nick was saying, if you have a circular saw and a drill, like you could start off building something simple um, with just limited tools and then build build up your sell sell those and then reinvest the money into more tools and then maybe change the product that you're selling. And then you can just continuously stair step up until you're at where you want. That's what I, that's what I did. Um, I know that Jay used to sell a bunch of two by four furniture, like picnic tables and, and outdoor chairs. I did growth chart rulers. You know, I did those growth chart rulers with just a soldering iron and a pencil and uh, I guess I, a jigsaw to cut off the top of the board to, to, to height or to length. Um, so, yeah, I mean, just do something that's limited and in order to get some money to reinvest and buy more tools. And also starting off buying tools, I bought all of my first tools at a pawn store. That way I could buy uh, better name brands, but at a lower cost. And pick something that's popular. I know when, what was that, like three years ago, you were making a ton of those growth chart rulers, right? Yeah, I made over a hundred of them in the kind of year in between um, me graduating college and Cody graduating college, just to support my my hobby at that time, which was you know getting into woodworking and buying tools. So yeah, something popular um, that I mean, and it doesn't have to be complicated. Honestly, I mean, some of the best selling stuff is not complicated. Yeah, but something it- with a good profit margin, because like the, with those growth chart rulers, I bought. The material for ten dollars because it was a it was a one by eight I believe, so uh, it was actually less than ten dollars at the store. I think it was nine dollars, and so and then I sold them for sixty. So it was great margins for reinvesting back into tools. Yeah, and because I, I remember I remember talking to a friend of mine probably about a year ago, and he, what he was selling wasn't wasn't desirable. He he liked them. He liked making them but there wasn't a market for it. And so it's like, you got to pick something, heck you can go on Pinterest and probably find what's popular and what everyone, you know, the project is your, that everyone needs to have. I mean, if you're selling some magical orb from the magical land of Narnia and you're selling two of them a year, you might, might want to pick something else. <laughs> yeah. That brings up, I was watching make something yesterday, uh, the second channel, and he was talking about his recent craft show and he was saying this is what I brought, how many I brought to the craft show. This is what I sold him for. And this is how many I sold. And he was going on about, you know, he, he, he brought 10 cutting boards and he was selling them for 200 a piece and he only sold two, which is great because that's 400 bucks. But then he says he brought like seven pencil holders and he sold every single one of them. And then he brought four clipper boards and sold every single one of them. So it's like, um, you know, a, a fancy or higher end stuff, a $200 item is good if you can sell that many, but maybe smaller stuff like a pencil holder, um, selling multiples of them would be, kind of be easier on your time and better on your wallet. Yeah. Knowing on, on those shows, knowing the average amount of money spent per attendee is pretty critical because like you said, you don't want to go in there with, you know, three thousand dollar you know sideboards or high boys when the average person is spending 40 bucks you know you'd love to go in there with a bunch of 40 dollar items then oh but i'm sorry the point that i was trying to make was uh i would i was thinking if i was in the market for selling making and selling something that might be popular i would be looking around at these craft show people who like travel around seeing what their big ticket items are as far as like what they always sell out of and then replicating that because he was saying 
he always sells out of no matter how many he brings those wine bottle holders to where it fits over a wine bottle and stores the two glasses. There you go. Perfect. Make 50 of those, sell out of them, buy you a, a track saw or whatever it is you're wanting, a table saw. You know yeah. what I mean? So yeah. I, I would just look around at what, what other people are having good luck with selling. That's simple. You could probably make out of scraps and that doesn't need up a lot of time, easy to ship, you know, and then just run with it. Stair step up to, to larger stuff is what I'm saying. That's right, Jim. Yeah, tell him. <laughs> Get him, Steve Dave. Steve Dave? Where do they come in? <laughs> That's from the movie Mall Rats way back in the day where this these comic book fans were getting in a fight and one comic book fanboy said, Get him, Steve Dave. <laughs> and I guess it's a podcast and everything. I you know, I yeah. It's just one of those iconic movie quotes. Hmm. I'm horrible with movie quotes. So, Nick, what what do you have going on? That was that sewing table. Oh, you're doing the sewing table. So you're having to repair the top or make a brand new one? What are you doing? Brand new because, like I said, there's a hole in the top where the sewing machine came through and being she wants to convert it, basically just traced out the exact thing. The only problem was she wanted to maintain the thickness and it was almost a solid inch thick. So I had to get some special oak for that and recreate the, the router profile. So that's, yeah, it's coming along. It's a pretty simple thing. Just kind of cut it out, sand it with a uh, hashtag team spindle sander. Whoop, whoop. Uh, <laughs> Dude, I got so many hashtag team spindle sander on my latest video. I was like giggling the whole time. I was loving it. Jay, you're, you're, you're sleeping with the dogs on this one. I think Man, you're, you're by yourself. You know, I started, um, I started rearranging the shop for the dust collector upgrade. Uh, just moving stuff around to better accommodate the requirements of the dust collection piping. Anyway, I mentioned on, on like a one minute uh, Instagram video, I was moving stuff around and I, you know, this table over here, I just set my oscillating spindle sander on there. And when I said that in the video, I had like a dozen or so, or I don't know how many it was, quite a few. Uh, like, did I hear you say spindle sander? Are you, you're not going to the dark side, are you? Hashtag team spindle sander. That's funny. But my whole thing with the spindle sander is it's always just been not convenient for me to use so yeah my goal is i'm not going to the dark side here but my goal is to hopefully once i get this dust collection system um behind me and i'm i'm you back in the shop using it blah 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 I, I want to make a pair of two foot by four foot carts to go up against my garage door wall i just think that this would accommodate a couple more it would make a couple things a little bit more convenient. One of them would be to have this spindle sander sitting on top of there with a shop back down below already plumbed in, ready to go. That way, if it's, like I said, if you walk up and flip the switch and you use it and it's convenient, then most likely you'll use it. If you got to bury, unbury it from other stuff, set it up on the table, plug it in, then figure out where the dust, the, the shop vac is, hook it up and if it's not convenient, I'm not going to use it. Hopefully, I'm going to try and make it more convenient to at least give it a chance. I think that's what I I use as an excuse for, for like working out and exercise because like the, <laughs> the treadmill and the exercise bike, it's not convenient because that's way over at the gym that I don't belong to. So that's why I don't use it. <laughs> <laughs> What's my excuse? I've got a treadmill in one of my rooms here. Oh, I thought that was a, like a laundry holder. Oh yeah, that's a that fancy could be it. laundry holder. <laughs> so April, what's up? 
I was going to say yesterday, just because we were talking about gems. It, uh, of course, we moved to the hill country and uh, went into the local gym, which there's only one of. Um, and the guy has apparently been a subscriber of my channel since I was around 90,000 subscribers or something. And so it was kind of a kind of a coincidence. It's kind of funny running into just people who recognize you from the channel whenever you're it, in my opinion, like I'm not going to a hardware store or to a Rockler store. I'm going to my local gym in the middle of nowhere, you know, and all of a sudden someone recognizes me and it kind of makes me just a, a little embarrassed. I'm like, oh, hi. <laughs> What's up? <laughs> that's that's funny because I went to uh, a monster truck show for my kids. My mom gave my kids tickets to monster trucks for Valentine's Day. And I ran into a guy that subscribes to me. But the funny thing is, he has the same last name as me. Spelled the same? Spelled the same. I, I was blown away. The guy crazy. probably thought I was, like, weird about it. Because I'm like, wow, that's so crazy. It's, it's, not, it's not like Smith or Jones. It's, it's kind of a weird last name. I've know? never met another fairy. Well, there you go. We're kind of unique. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, even Wilkerson. I, I know that there's a lot of Wilkinsons. But, like, uh, I've, but I, even I've met a few Wilkin, Wilkersons. That I don't think are family, or I can't find the connection at least. But yeah, I've never, I've never known another fairy. I've known one other Bates. So, yeah, anyways, Bates. that's cool. That's a, I like coincidences like that. Little run-ins. Coincidences. That reminds me of that Seinfeld or whatever. The big coincidences and little coincidences. That's what the coincidence is. <laughs> I, I've never seen that show, but I like that. <laughs> All right, then moving right along. So did you guys see my little take at an interview video Sunday? Yeah, I loved it. I really, I think you have a really good knack for, for the interview style. Thank you. I, um, yeah, I, I liked it. Wayne is a very a good speaker. Exactly. He's so well-spoken. Yeah. And he, he comes is. across as very genuine and he has a really good point that he's making. I thought it was just all really done very well. He comes across as that like grandpa type that you'd love to have as a neighbor just to go and hang out exactly. in a shop. Yeah. I was thinking, damn, Jay's lucky Wayne's his neighbor. I want it. I want Wayne to be my neighbor. He's my neighbor two hours away. Yeah, but that's better <laughs> than, you know, countries or I mean states away. Yeah. He's he's yeah. a great dude. I uh and the cool thing is like he's he's a businessman. Uh, he's very business oriented and, and has that business mindset. So not only do we share woodworking in common, but it's great to just talk business with him and, and, and make sure I'm not overlooking something or maybe get the outside perspective on some things. So, uh, yeah, Wayne's a great dude. He's coming this um, this coming Saturday. He's coming up to help me uh, install the uh, new dust collector. Him and I think Sean Stone is coming too. So we should be able to knock it out pretty, pretty easily. Um, oh, I'm jealous. I wish I lived close enough to come hang with the posse. Hang with the posse. Yeah, posse with the chachis and the chinis. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. That's funny. Yeah. Well, I mean, that was the interview style was new to you. Uh, I don't know if any of you guys caught my my sled giveaway announcement with, with yeah the with the nail gun. That was that was really fun. <laughs> I was, I was, I almost didn't put that up because I was worried the safety police would be all over that. And uh, I don't know. I think I don't think I got a single bad safety comment. So that that was definitely a fun one to shoot Brad nails at a 
bunch of balloons. I love it when people can just kind of relax on stuff like that. It's not like you're shooting them at your children or anything. It's like, come on. <laughs> well, yeah. Who do you think was holding the sign of balloons? <laughs> <laughs> Plus, there's all that footage he deleted after the after the scenes, you know. <laughs> yeah, when the ambulance left, I you know I hit record again. <laughs> <laughs> You just edited out their cries. <laughs> well, it was funny because I was testing it out because oddly enough, and this is kind of funny, uh, I tried it at first with my one-inch uh, headless pinner. And I don't know if the balloon wasn't inflated enough, but I threw up a balloon and I shot it and it, the pin bounced off the balloon. Really? Yeah. I don't know. Like I said, it, it must have just been perfect condition. So then I switched to the Brad nailer and I tested it and I put that video on Instagram. But you can hear my kid in the background right at the end of the video goes, what was that? <laughs> <laughs> it was nothing. Come like, hold this balloon. Yeah. <laughs> put this on your head. <laughs> the funny thing, I, I was going to, I was just making a joke and I told Stacey, I said, hold this balloon. And she didn't even, she's like, nope, not even coming close to falling for that one. And I'm like, oh, okay, never mind. She knows who she married. <laughs> yeah. yeah. She knows you. Oh, man. Too funny. Fun stuff. Um, Off topic a little bit here, but what do you guys do for um, all your video file storage? I, I've, I've maxed out the number of hard drives in my computer, and I'm just at that point where I, I need to. I needed to do something else to better have more space long term for the business. So I finally got around to setting up a NAS system, a network area sto network attached storage, and it's just like a standalone storage server, I guess, for the home network. You guys do any of those? I don't. What I do is I get a dedicated four terabyte hard drive for each year. And so far, it's been fine with me. I keep all my raw footage, um, all of the photos that I take for each project, and then uh, the completed video that that I've edited together, of course. And um, yeah, and I have one for every single year so far that I've been on YouTube. And then so at the end of the year, I just get, even if it's not full, I just go ahead and get a brand new hard drive. And then I, what I do is I keep one with me at all times that any, like if I have a video in the can or any videos that I've just shot, but not edited together, I keep on a hard drive that I keep attached to my computer just with some Velcro on it. And, uh, that's what I carry around all of my paid plans in case someone's missing a, a set of plans. And then all of my, uh, raw footage that I still need to edit together. So typically there's only one or two projects on there at a time, but that's a, that that's a one terabyte hard drive that I carry with me, but then my backup footage or my yearly footage is a four terabyte. You keep all of your raw data, all your raw images, video. I do. I do. Yeah. I do too. Wow. But my, mine might stem from, and this, and this goes to anyone, even if they're not making videos or anything like that, just woodworkers in general, take pictures of your stuff you're you're never going to regret taking the pictures you will regret like five years down the line going oh man i wish i had three four pictures of that really cool thing i built and because i man i wish i would have taken a lot more pictures when i was making stuff over the years because just just to show people but no we were we were talking about that nas thing jay and i and i think that's the route i'm gonna go to the cool thing the about NAS? it yeah the cool thing about it is like you can hook it up to the router in your house so anybody who's attached to the network, whether it's wired or wireless, can access the files so long as they have permission to do so. Like you can block people out of it or have it password protected or just have it completely open. Um, Interesting. 
But yeah, I'm gonna have a video on setting one up here shortly, uh, probably within three or four weeks. Um, but yeah, it, it's cool because previously my other option was I was just backing up my entire large hard drive to Google Drive. Well, if you have a file go corrupt, your hard drive screws up, well, then you start backing up a corrupt file. There's no redundancy mm -hmm. built into the my current situation. So uh, it, it's great. And then also if you're... Um, if you are out and about, say, in another state doing something and you do need to access your raw files, well, if you have it set up through the network, then you can remote access into the NAS server. Um, some people, a um, buddy of mine just leaves his computer running 24-7 and then remote accesses into the computer, and then you can transfer files and such like that. But it, it's a very convenient system, not necessarily just for what we do, but for everybody else out there. I mean, it, it could benefit anybody. If you have a smart TV and you want to have... Um, a lot of your movies or media on a server and then you can you know use it as a a hosting device for uh, like, like videos and such that sounds awesome this is pr completely off woodworking topic but i had thought year years ago um uh, my wife and i had bought many movie dvds over the years or tv show series and, and they're all on dvd I'm sure there's a way to put those into an electronic format, but I mean, you bought the DVD, you own the DVD and you just don't, you know, we were looking at it because we didn't want, you know, they're just getting stored. That It's just a perfect opportunity to get scratched or dusty or lost or stepped on or whatever. So we just wanted to put them basically on a hard drive and then play them through a TV. It's not like we're going to, you know, redistribute them or, you know, try and do that thing, but I don't. I don't know if that if either of you guys know anything about that. It's it's the same situation with this. Like you, you can do that. You can rip them DVDs to hard drive to digital files. But situations like that where you do have a huge DVD collection, and either a you don't want to risk damaging the DVDs, like you said, or b you just run out of space for them, and you don't want to have this big bookshelf full of DVDs in your living room or something. You can put them all in digital format. Put them on. Uh, like a NAS server like this, and then remote access them with, with uh, whatever media center you're using or, or, or smart TV or something like that. So we kind of skipped over April here. It says uh, on your What's Going On, formerly known as Breaking News, that you are planning for a new shop. Yeah. It's, um, it's kind of overwhelming, to be honest. Like, I feel like I have a blank canvas, which is a, a, a cool thing on one hand, but it's also... Um, I'm, I'm very intimidated by this. I was thinking just today, actually, the deal is, is that I feel like I need to, there's so many different areas to dive into and research how to do and, and to look at all the options and to maybe find somebody with experience to bounce questions off of, because I feel like it's one of those things to where I'm going to be building a shop and I'm going to be bringing a camera along and making an entire series on it from start to finish. And so once I get started, I just need to continue rolling like it. But typically the way I work is I is I figure something out and then I go do it. Then I figure something else out and then I go do it. But I feel like with the shop, I need to be looking at the bigger picture as well as all the small details before I even get started. And I and I only have a very short amount of time to do all of that. in. plus, I have a trip to Europe coming up that I'm trying to weasel in, plus selling and buying a house as well while staying with my folks, while also trying to produce content. So I just, ah, I mean, on one hand, it's really exciting. But in a perfect world, as soon as I get back from Europe at the 
like kind of mid-April point, I would love to be starting to build my shop, you know? Do you find that like, if I was in your shoes, I could only imagine like my, my biggest thing would be uh, the intimidation of like, you don't get the opportunity to build a shop often in your life if you ever do. Exactly. Right. So for me, I'd be thinking of like, holy crap, I need to think of every little detail that I want. And I hopefully don't mess it up as far as like, did I forget something or did I put too much emphasis on this rather than that? You know? Yeah. Uh, I can only imagine how stressful that is because you know, you, yeah. you, you want to do it right. This can be your shop for a long time, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Cody and I fully plan on being in this house. I, I don't know why we would ever move unless we wanted more land, um, which is quite possible. But still, I'm, I'm at this like really, uh, I feel a lot of pressure because it's like, if I'm going to be in this for the, let's just say on the low end, the next 15 to 20 years, I want it to be awesome. And I don't feel like I'm experienced enough at this point to build my my 20 year shop right now. <laughs> and so especially in the short timeline that I have lined out for myself to plan it and build it in. So yeah, I don't want to screw it up. I'm thinking about, you know, radiant flooring and uh, the, the, the all of the electrical line out 110 and 220, and maybe some in the floor and then the dust collection setup. I mean, there's just like I want a, a, a way to roll things outside and work. And I want my dust collector and air compressor outside of my shop as well, but still connected. I want some storage. I mean, it's just literally a world of details to be figuring out, you know, even down to what I'm going to be building it out of. I'm really leaning towards shipping containers, putting like four or five shipping containers up next to one another uh, side by side and then welding them together and then cutting out the center. Um, but, uh, you know, I don't know. I just don't feel like I'm equipped enough with enough information yet to make the decision on is that the route that I need to be going or do I need to be looking at steel metal buildings instead, like a Mueller steel building. But I really like the idea of having a sh shipping container workshop because I feel like I can always add to it. It's a lot cheaper uh, per, to build per square foot. It comes with the floor already. So I would save on the cost of a, of a foundation and um, they're huge. Like I could, they're 45 by eight. So if I put four together, it would be 45 by 32, which is 10, 40 square foot, you know? So, I mean, that's, that's a big shop. And then if I ever wanted to add, I could just attach more to the backside and continue on with it, you know? <laughs> But the ceilings are a little bit lower. So on the 45-foot long ones, the uh, overall height is 9 foot 6 inches, but the inside clearance is 8 foot 6 inches, which to me is just fine. Cody's really trying to press me into getting more like a 10 to 12 or even 14-foot uh, ceiling because he's like, yeah, what if you want like a crane and you want to start doing like bigger, bigger projects? And it's like, yeah, I, I get that, but I'm also thinking about uh, heating and cooling a, a an over because I'm, I'm not settling for less than a thousand square feet I'm, I'm planning for the long run here and I want to go ahead and build a bigger shop and so I'm thinking about heating and cooling that space down and the taller ceilings might be nice for bigger projects but anything over eight feet I feel like like I feel like eight and a half feet is perfect I feel like anything above that is just more space and I'm gonna have to heat and cool would you insulate the ceiling yeah, I plan on I plan on doing like spray foam, probably insulation on everything. So what I'll do is I'll run all of the electrical, do all of the outlets and lighting and then insulate all of the walls. And then I want to go ahead and, and uh, frame and throw up OSB on like the two long walls. Um, 
not the not the front and back of the shop, but on the two long ones. That way I can actually hang stuff and have studs to go into as well. So what do y'all think? It's going to be an interesting process regardless. I um I'm I'm just just first glance thinking of it. I'm I'm scared of the the smaller dimensions involved with containers and you know you can get them lengthwise. Yes, that's great with the the two smaller limiting dimensions on the inside and you can connect them and open up the inside and all that. But my instant thought is like a steel building while it may be a little bit more on the front end, they're just Way as easy. More. Uh, well, yeah, whatever the cost is, uh, they're these days they're pretty much just as easy to add on and and grow as needed. But it's just a big open space, no restrictions on the inside. And I mean, you can do a dirt foundation to start on, say, like a pole building. Oh, pole, pole every, buildings are relatively cheap. Everything in my shop is on casters, and I can't even imagine not being able to move things around and roll roll things around. Like that's just been, and maybe it's right now I have to roll things around in order to make things work. You know what I mean? So maybe with a larger space, I'm not going to have to, but I'm not going to go through the effort of setting up an on the low end, a thousand square foot shop in order to maybe at a later date, move everything out, get a somehow pour a concrete foundation in it, and then remove everything back into place like i honestly if it's going to come to that i would rather just take a little bit of time not have a shop right off the bat save up for what it what it is i need and then get started on it like i really just want to do it the way i want in the long run right off the bat but the bad thing about that is that we have a garage and it's a really great great size garage at the new place it's a two-car garage but it's very very deep and um there's only one. So I'll, I, since this is how we make our living, I, of course, get dibs on the garage as my workshop. But then that's going to leave Cody in the dust for his for his shop. And he's not going to have anywhere to work on the cars or wheelers or anything like that. So I, I am very motivated to build my shop as soon as possible. That and what did you give any thought to the structural integrity to a shipping container once you cut both the sides off? I have, yeah, because I mean, I'm going to be welding them together. And those shipping containers, if you think about it, they're structurally made in the first place to be stacked on top of one another whenever they're loaded down. And not just one or two, but we're talking like five or ten, you know? I'm, I'm, well, I'm talking like the span. Because like they're they're meant to be stacked and the, the structure goes straight down into the corners, but you're talking a 40 some foot span that used to be held up, you know, by a panel, and then you remove that panel, it's not necessarily an eye beam, Mm -hmm. you know, it's not something that's supposed to do long spans. I've thought about it. I've thought about it whenever I whenever I cut it, and I can like either leave some material or I can even weld in a, um, what's it called whenever you have like a big ceiling and you have that big beam of it? What is it? Header? Is it called a header if it's on the inside? A lot of times, like, if you have a vaulted ceiling, you see the beam, and then you make, like, faux boxes coming off of it. Oh, a ridge beam. A ridge beam. So something like that, but out of metal. Like, I just feel like if if it is, if it does present a problem, I can can very easily fix it. Um, But also, I mean, this isn't a new thing. This isn't my idea. People are converting shipping containers into workshops, into homes, into uh, storefronts all over the place doing the exact same thing, but just stacking them on top. I mean, people even stack them on top of one another and they get 16 foot and then just cut out the 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 ceiling and floor in them you know what I mean like it's really kind of cool because like you can even they even make modification kits to where you can cut out windows and bay doors and and just completely convert one into a workable livable space it's very interesting 
but it's a lot cheaper. You can roughly like if I if, if I'm looking at a thousand square foot shop, I would I would be roughly looking at forty five to fifty thousand dollars just plain Jane. But if I'm looking at shipping containers, I'm looking at around two thousand per container. So I could have four containers for around eight grand, and they come with floors on them. You know what I mean? So I'm just it. If I can make it work, then it's it's it sounds appealing price point. Well, regardless of what you do, I, I think you'll think it through and do its best. So. I'm going to try to <laughs> around everything else. <laughs> it'll be a fun ride to watch what whatever you come up with, too. Hopefully. Oh, no, it'll be fun to watch no matter oh, what. Oh, yeah, watching. <laughs> yeah, maybe not doing. <laughs> but, yeah, in the meantime, I'm going to be working out of my uh, my dad's shop. I'm actually currently I'm working on making one of those backyard foundries to melt down some brass. So I think I t- talked to you all about that on a previous podcast. But, yeah, brass doorknobs going to be melting them down and turning them into uh little keychain so that's sh- that should be fun so far the foundry went off without a hitch made a protein torch for it so now i'm moving on to figuring out the sand casting molding process you guys want to jump into a question real quick let's um let's see this is a real quick one um you're all from such larry asks you are all from such different locations and different backgrounds how did the three of you guys meet and then decide to collaborate um i think i met nick he made his theater cart build and i stumbled across it on youtube and i uh sent him an email like hey what's up what's up <laughs> what's up uh, <laughs> um i just communicated back and forth with with him since then and then i don't even remember how i met april how did i meet you i you were the very first youtuber i ever came across on i don't know if i even never have ever told you this but whenever before i knew the youtube community existed and that people were doing build videos i stumbled across one of your videos and then i stumbled across another one just completely unrelated typing it into google and another in the in the green really stood out and i'm like oh that's that same dude i've already watched and then i though then i actually clicked on your name i was like oh this guy makes like a bunch of videos look at all this cool stuff he does Hashtag and so stalkers. then I reached out to you. Yeah, totally like Jay Creeper. <laughs> 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 but yeah, you were the very first one. And then from you, I found like Steve Ramsey and everybody else. And um, I don't remember our first conversation, but I, I, yeah, I don't remember. But I, I think I emailed you through your website. Yeah. And then Nick called me up out of the or sent me a message saying, hey, I'm thinking about buying a table saw. Can I ask you about yours? And so him and I started chatting and then that led into video chatting with the rest of the community. And yeah, I think I mean, we've all been friends for, what, three years now or so. Man, it's so crazy to think how fast that. Uh, wow, that, that is, that's right. Yeah. Time has just flown by. Mm. Yep, yep, yep. I'm just wondering how much of April was creeping on Jay now. Like hard. I was like trying to find his address and everything. Be like, that green is appealing. That green. <laughs> this guy built a picnic table. <laughs> yeah, you know, I no, I think you built like a, a guitar box or something for the guitar on the wall. Yeah, display cabinet for guitar. Yeah. So then like you were the first one I subscribed to and I didn't even and then uh, yeah, I got introduced to everybody else like pretty much through way of finding your channel first. So I think that's a pretty heavy coincidence that we're pretty good friends now. I mean, you're all right and everything. <laughs> 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 oh, yeah. 
That was, well, and that, and people don't realize that, because um, I've gotten this a lot, where they don't realize that we don't live close to each other. Like, oh, that'd be so nice if Jay and April, you know, stopped by my shop all the time, too. I'm like, they don't stop by all the time. That's not how it works. They, they, they flew in, you know. Once. They're states away. Yeah, we, we flew in once. <laughs> <laughs> and never again. <laughs> no way, y'all have to come to Texas now. Not in, well... Yeah. Not in June or yeah. July. The or heat no. of the year, dude. You <laughs> no. can't come to Texas unless you experience the real deal. If there's snow, maybe I'll come. Hey, you know what? We do have the Guadalupe River just right down the road, which is always cold. Y'all go tubing up north at all down the rivers? Oh, yeah. Okay, so it's well, real popular here as well. Well, we, we have two types of tubing, you know, lazy river type tubing, you know, floating cooler stuff, or, you know, tie a tube behind a boat and hop in. And yep, us too. Around. Down the lake or down the river. Yeah. Yep. 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 So that was, that was a good question. I, I was. I'm reminiscing now. I'm Trip like, oh, down memory it's been lane. Three years. Yeah. I yeah. see. I think it was. Um. I think you're a big influencer, Nick. As far as all of us becoming, I think solidified in our friendships. Not just the three of us, but a lot of the community. Because I think you were really big on the video chatting, and so then, like, no, I'm not even lying. Nick would just sends out random invites to anybody and everybody, and be like. Let's invite them at one o'clock in the morning. Let's send them out. And then sure enough, you know, five people jump in and start start video chatting. And then he invites Jay. And then I'm like, oh, hey, Jay, my name's April. I have a channel. And of course, he's like, yeah, hi. And then it just like grew. And then who else was really big into them? Uh, well, I know I every time it was kind of an ongoing thing that I every time we would chat on these video hangouts, I would invite Matthew McConaughey. Didn't you invite Angelina Jolie too? I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure Brad Pitt and just you know Tom Cruise and. But yeah, pretty much anybody in the woodworking area. Um, we we just started all, uh, going down on our uh, production because we were all video chatting the all the time instead of actually working. But yeah, I think I think the video chats really on the back end would just really help solidify the friendships. All right, next question, uh, kind of similar to what we already talked about with your upcoming shop um nick mm -hmm. rodriguez nick rodriguez asks i'd love to hear each of you talk a bit about your past shops uh maybe some rust pros and cons to that setup what worked well what did not um so april you being very familiar with your last shop and then just packing it up and moving it is mm -hmm. there any regrets or anything that you might have done differently with the past shop overall satisfied yeah, really, really satisfied. I got really lucky with the shop because it was already plumbed for air. All I had to do was hook up an air compressor outside and then just route my my line where I wanted it. And then there was also a ton of 110 and at least two 220s on each wall of the shop. And then on top of that, there was also a lot of light um, lights whenever I got in there. So I think those are like the components that I'm heavily looking at repeating in my next shop just because of how convenient everything was. A lot of light is always good no matter where you're at in the shop. Outlets being readily available in multiples are of course really big. And then just having an air hookup I think is of course really convenient. But yeah, overall very, very satisfied. For our first shop, I feel like I got super, super lucky. So my first shop was in a living room and kitchen of a single wide trailer. It was just really run down and beat up, and I made do with what I had. It was, you know, the bachelor days. Um, but what sucked about it was the width was only like, 
I don't know, 10, 11 feet wide, something like that. It wasn't that wide at all. And, and I remember that being a restriction quite a bit. Um, the current shop that I'm in, uh, what I don't like about it the most is the stupid garage door. It is a garage. It is a two-car garage. I can't stand having that door still there. It's just not in the cards to take it out and then like build like a faux garage door wall you know, from the outside to make it look like it's still a garage door. It's just Why? not in the... Uh, because I still think that there are times where I do enjoy having the garage door open, but overall it's a pain in the butt. Um, and the garage rails being in the way, uh, this dust collector situation right now I'm going through is, is really reminding me how much those have been a pain in the butt, which again, with, uh, th- that's gotten in the way a couple of times with my lumber storage. Um, but you know, it, whatever situation you have, you work around it, and you know it's not gonna. I'm not gonna let that stop me, and I don't think anyone else will either. Um, but what really has worked for me was day one before I put any tools in there, I added way more electrical outlets than what I thought I would ever need, and so far that has been a really good decision. So, How, did you do 110 and 220, or focus primarily on 110? I did. Uh, I did both. But I ran the wire so that it can be swapped out for a 220 setup if needed, where I didn't have to run new wire. So the wire cool. can handle each. That's awesome. And so how many how many two, 220 did you plan? Uh, I just have one. Uh, I have, no, I have two. I have two long runs of the 220, and one of them only has one outlet. Uh, other one has three outlets. But then again, I knew from the beginning I wasn't going to be running two 220 machines at the same time but i did put two in there just in case well the new dust collector is 220 so i will be running it and like the table saw and the jointer at the same time so that that really worked out well having two circuits for 220 and then also i ran just two circuits for 110 um and i put them in dual boxes so there's uh like the duplex receptacles there's two of those per um Every four feet, there's there's two of those, and the left side of every one is one circuit, and the right side for every one is a second circuit. And my thought behind that was the tool will always be on the left, and then the shop vac or whatever other attachment that I need with it will be on the right hand side. So that's worked out really really well. Um, but like I've I said, I've never heard that set up before. That's really smart. Yeah, it's just two circuits. I mean, I didn't need like a dozen different circuits because, like I said, it's just going to be me running a tool at one time. And then whether it's a 220 or or 110, I always figured that at the max would be like one tool and then one form of dust collection going with it. Um, But, yeah, that's worked out really, really well. And I was going to say something, but I totally forgot. Anyway. Did you wire for 220 or 221? Uh, You know, 220, 221, whatever it takes. (laughs) <laughs> 240 oh the lights uh, well oh, okay the, yeah your lights oh the lights so the lights i put them on a separate circuit as well so and they're on two different circuits i've got the main lighting that is visible when the garage door is in the up position that's on one circuit by itself independently nothing else is on it and then i do have another circuit for the lights that are above the garage door when the garage door is open that way i can I don't need to use them when the garage door is open, but when the garage door is shut, they are on a separate circuit and separate switch, so I can turn those on. That's a good point. Mine were on three switches because I my shop was a little bit deep, and so the the I had the front, the middle, and the back, and I really enjoyed that. Um, especially if you're just running in there really quick to grab something, you just throw on the back switch and not have to r- turn on your entire you know 
12 or 15 lights, however many I had. Yeah. Nick, what about you? Um, I've had several shops, um, none of which over the years have like, this is a shop. It's going to be a shop. It's a shop since inception. It's, it's always been moving more stuff in slowly. Uh, I, I pretty much despise basement shops at this point because my first basement shop, anything big that I built, it literally had to wind around, you know, walls and then upstairs and then curve at the end, you know. Uh, my second basement shop was a little nicer because it was a straight run from the, the stairs all the way to the back door. But my current shop, I'm I'm looking at adding more circuits. Uh, I, I always had the lighting circuits were 15 amps on separate because I didn't want any flicker. But you can never have enough electricity. And uh, yeah, it's basically a two-stall garage. I mean, that's what it is. But I... There's no way to pull a car in it anymore. The thing I like the most about your your current shop that we noticed when we were up there was the you have the the large air compressor down in the basement so you don't hear it and then also it's not just like some cord dang, uh, hanging out of the wall over here it's a, it's a nice proper air air hose manifold built into the wall. Yeah, yeah, I really like that. I mean, what what I do end up organized with is probably hyper organized. Um, but yeah, I, I had a video on that. Uh, I can put that in the, uh, in the article, but it, yeah, just a, a plate that I made and included a regulator, the couple gauges for tank pressure, regulated pressure, a couple of, uh, quick connect couplings. Uh, and I, and I'm, I'm kind of particular on that. I don't like the quick connect coupling that to install the, the, the fitting, you have to slide the collar back. I like the spring loaded ones where you can just insert it and then the collar locks. Yeah. I've, I've luckily never had a shop that was overly moist. I know his, his uh, question referred to rust and stuff. In fact, at this time of year, the way I kind of heat and everything and the garage doors really never open and wintertime just more dry, I, I typically have a pan of water just to kind of keep the, the humidity a little bit higher in the shop. Just because, it, I mean, it, you, you can tell when you go out there, it's almost like you're coughing. And you, you feel like you need a drink of water right away. Yeah the dryness uh my shop is with with the heating and cooling with the mini split it's really really helped out with managing rust on cast iron surfaces or metal surfaces but you know i I live in mississippi it's crazy humid so before i had the the uh, mini split installed uh working in the with the garage door open in the middle of the summer or uh, trying to heat the shop with a little little bit of propane it was it, it it did have some condensation issues all right, well, that's it for this one. Uh, I want to remind you that there's a couple of ways you can stay up to date with the podcast and get notified of any new content. You can go to thewoodworkingpodcast.com and subscribe on Android RSS or on iTunes. And if you'd like to contribute, then you can do so by going to thewoodworkingpodcast.com. And I'm reading something and got confused. Uh, on the website, there's a contribute button on the sidebar. And then also you can go to patreon.com slash thewoodworkingpodcast. And um, be sure to leave us a review if you're on iTunes. That is very much appreciated, and it's always nice to read those. That's it. Thanks for listening. You guys take care, and we will catch you on the next one. Catch you on the flip side. Toodaloo. Toodaloo. That's all you got. Toodaloo. That's all I got. Hey, it all means bye at the end of the day. Bye, everyone. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) See you later. That's better. (laughs) 